Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Spider Fan Spidercast with your host, Nate, and my guest, my dad. Say hi. Hello. If you don't know what we do in this podcast, we talk about Spider-Man media, Spider-Man movies, comics, characters, anything Spider-Man. Today, we are going to go back to an absolute classic. We are going to be talking about Sam Raimi's first Spider-Man movie, which is a must-have, a classic in the entire Spider-Man character, franchise, movies, anything. So, let's start off with some questions. What do you think of Tobey Maguire's performance as Peter Parker? I think he's definitely one of the best Spider-Man that they've had. Um, whenever the movie came out, I was like, Tobey Maguire, really? That's who they're going to pick as Spider-Man? But I think he does a great job of that nerd, the nerd, the nerdy Peter Parker, kind of awkward teenager, and then pulling off Spider-Man. Incredible. Did you actually, um, this isn't, uh... Scheduled question, but I just got curious. Did you know some of Tobey Maguire's other projects before seeing Spider-Man? Did yeah. you know the actor? Yeah, I knew who Tobey Maguire was before that movie came out. So that's why I was surprised that Tobey Maguire was going to be the Spider-Man. And I didn't think it was going to work, but it worked really well. <laughs> okay, um, what do you think are some ups and downs, pros and cons of that specific movie? Um, as a standalone movie... Just the introduction to Spider-Man, the the origin story, Uncle Ben, all of it. Um, I think they did a really good job. Um, we can get into the Green Goblin discussion. Uh, I've grown to like the Green Goblin in the movie, uh, Willem Dafoe. Uh, I, when I first watched it, I thought the voice was so weird that he did, you know? Can you do it? The itsy bitsy spider went up the water spout. Yeah, a little creepy. So, um, but I, I I come to like it over time. I think they did a really good job with the um, him talking to the mirror and stuff like that. So, out of all of the incredible Spider-Man movies that have been made, do you think that the Raimi trilogy is the best? No, I don't. I don't think the Raimi trilogy is the best. I think one and two are exceptional Spider-Man movies with, you know, I round that out with the Spider-Verse. In our previous episode, I said I put Spider-Verse top. So, uh, no. And that's because of number three. I think that number three has big problems. I've got a lot of problems with number three and I can't wait to get to that episode. But, uh, no. I'd have to say no because of Spider-Man 3. If Spider-Man 3 <laughs> had been as good as one and or two, then... I, there'd be no question. It'd be very hard for anybody to top it. The Tom Holland series, um, we got Homecoming, and then Far From Home's coming out soon. Uh, I think due to Tom Holland and Spider-Man being officially in the MCU, I think we can count, because we're not talking about the movie specifically, but I think his performance in Civil War and Infinity War, I think we can count that as his, part of his performance as Spider-Man. Yeah, no, I absolutely do count that. I'm just saying it's kind of standalone Spider-Man movie, so... All I'm saying is that the the homecoming, the this MCU Spider-Man, it's yet to be seen, you know, because I think that homecoming is a great one, but I don't know what the rest are going to look like. So that one's a big question mark just because we don't know what they're going to be. But I'd say no, it's not. they're not the greatest because of number three. If we got to count the trilogy as a whole, which is the question, then no, I, I say the answer is no. But one and two are among the best Spider-Man movies. 
All right. What is your favorite moment among the entire first movie? Mm. I think the some of the comedy moments in the early on when he's learning his powers. Uh, you know, they say that whenever he did the catching the food on the tray, that that was a practical effect, right? That he actually did it. I don't know how they did it. Like 152 I, takes. 152 takes. But, like, did they have any strings or anything related to it? Like No, it, they just had to angle it perfectly and try, try to drop it. Okay, so that part is really cool. Um, I, I was amazed when you told me that, that it was a practical effect and that, that he had to actually catch those on the tray. Um, whenever he's learning how to web shoot, web swing, and... He comes into the uh, hits hits the wall when he's still learning the powers. Like that movie, that part's really funny to me. Um, Go web when he's chasing the bus and his uh, spider grip pulls the uh, the banner on the bus. I like those moments. So early on, to me, those are the the better moments that I enjoy. I mean, the the action sequences are great. The, the fights through the movie, you know, you got the iconic drop down and the kiss, with, you know, when she pulls the mask up. Um, there's some really iconic moments in that movie, but just personally, the early ones for me are the ones I like the best. So I split the question and spit it back to you. How about you? What do you think of, like, the best moments? Uh, well, my I'm going to name three great moments that I think. Uh, one, this isn't really a moment, but kind of a chronic thing throughout the movie that I think could count as a moment because it's kind of in multiple different parts. Okay. But how they focused on this isn't just about a superhero who flings through the city on webs. It's a story about uh, growth and a person, and it's Peter Parker. I mean, Spider-Man 2 is more of a Peter Parker movie than the first one, Mm -hmm. but Spider-Man 1 still has a huge focus on Peter just as much as Spider-Man. Okay. Uh... Number two, probably um, when William Defoe is, like, holding MJ and the thing. I don't know what it's called. Like the trolley car? Yeah, the trolley car yeah. full of the kids, and he's forcing Peter to make this absolutely horrible choice. Sick decision, yes. Because n- now that... Okay, it's like a... It's like an ethical dilemma. There is mm. no good way that this is going to end. So you're like Chidi and Gagne. No. <laughs> it becomes a good place joke. Sorry, keep going. Anyone who gets that reference is an absolute legend. And yes. And number three is probably the joke whenever um, Aunt May is in the hospital. This one's actually a lot more specific. And she says, you're not Superman, you know. And Peter just gives that sly little ch- chuckle. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, your turn to ans- ask me some questions. All right. Um, I want to go back to one of yours, which was, is the Raimi trilogy the best? Do you think that this is it's the best series of movies? Because we have differing opinions about Spider-Man 3. So do you, would you, how would you answer your own question? Is the Raimi trilogy the best? Well, it's really hard to not talk about but decide because we have so many things that are 
in the works and being hinted towards. So we're in the middle of some things that aren't fully developed. But out of what we do have, excluding the future projects, mm-hmm. I would say that as a whole, um, Spider-Man Homecoming and the MCU, including Spider-Man, was probably the best. But Raimi is probably second place. Okay. In first place? Uh, Probably... Home, homecoming because mostly because it's I mean my movie um, specific movie is Spider-Verse but um, when talking about homecoming I like this vast kind of spread out way from having his own standalone movie playing a good role in um, Civil Civil War um, I know in general he, um, Spider-Man only got like 8 minutes of screen time in Infinity War but in those eight minutes, he was able to deliver the most laughs and emotion he can. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. Okay. So, my question, where would you rank the Green Goblin as a villain in the hierarchy of movie depictions of Spider-Man villains? Where would you rank the Green Goblin? Oof. The Green Goblin. This Green Goblin. Willem Dafoe's Green this Goblin. This specific. Not the crazy one from Spider-Man 2. No. Because, I mean, I don't think, I'm the kind of guy who can't say anything negative about a Spider-Man movie, but even I think that they didn't do a fantastic job with the Green Goblin and Amazing Spider-Man 2. But that being said, we're not talking about that. Uh, William Defoe's Green Goblin. I mean, out of all the Spider-Man villains, mm-hmm. this is a, a super difficult call to make. Okay. But I think he would rank somewhere around three to five, three to six, maybe okay. somewhere so in the in that top region. three. So in the top three. So can we expand and say at least in the top six? Okay, top, uh, top six. I mean, because it's kind of this area that I can't land on. I just know the general area that he's in. Okay, I think that he's he's definitely in the top tier. I'd say. Um, Doc Ock for me is one of you know one of the best. We talked about that last episode. Uh, Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin in this movie. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'd probably put him top five, top four. But we we need to have like just a ranking show. We'll, like just do yeah nothing but rankings and, and, and come prepared for him. Okay, so future episode idea. Leave a like if you want that episode. One of the things that bothers me about the movie, but it's it's funny to me, but it's like. Uh, it's also a little cringy. Is whenever Tobey Maguire's head is superimposed onto the real skinny body, <laughs> like he's not that skinny in any other part of the movie. You know, even leading up to like he's not that skinny, and then it's like comically skinny whenever before he transforms into the Spider Man. So, give me your thoughts on that that moment. My thoughts on that, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, you don't know? Because, you, you've like, never noticed that? I never... I feel like... Are you talking about that moment where he's, like, kind of feeling sick from the spider bite, and he, you kind of see him shirtless? Yes. I honestly think, from my point of view, it wasn't comically skinny. It was skinny, because <laughs> well, I remember one time when we were watching, because we've watched this movie probably, like, 50 times... Uh-huh. And you said, he's not that skinny in real life. Mm-hmm. I never thought he was insanely comically skinny. 
I mean, I th- I think he's different, especially when it gets all buff and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. um, I n- never thought he was that skinny, like impossibly okay. skinny. Um, who killed Green Goblin in this movie? Uh, well, it depends on how you look at it. Uh, he depending on how you see it, he either killed himself, which sounds really bad if you haven't seen the movie. He's responsible for his own death. He's responsible for it. Yeah, yeah. that's a better way of putting that's it. That's a better way, yeah. Or Spider-Man killed him because um, I know everyone who's listening has probably already seen the movie, but for the sake of completion, I'm going to talk about that scene. That's okay. Even though this movie is like, what? How old is this movie at this point? Uh, well, it came out in 2002, like 16 years, Six, no, 17. 17 now, yeah. 17 yeah. years old. Oof. Yeah. So they, you know, spoiler alert. This movie, <laughs> this movie's old, and you, should, I, I would think most people have seen it. So, go ahead and explain it. So, Green Goblin is kind of playing possum in, in a way, uh, not exactly, but he's pretending like, mm. oh my God, I'm the victim here. The Goblin's controlling me. I'm, I'm Norman, please. And he's talking about being a father figure, but like behind his back, he's summoning the glider with like these crazy blades. Mm-hmm. and uh, shoots at Spider-Man. His spidey sense goes off. Spider-Man jumps out of the way, but it ends up killing Norman. Mm-hmm. So depending on how you looked at it, it's Spidey's fault for jumping out of the way or Norman's fault for doing it in the first place. But if Spider-Man hadn't jumped out of the way, he would have got killed. That's right. And I personally think that it was Norman's fault. I'm not... Well, he's the villain, but... Yeah, but I mean, you know, this this whole thing... Is what leads to, uh, what his son's name Harry. Harry. Right? How Peter, could you not know Peter's, that? Peter's best friend. I said it. I said Harry. Uh, played by uh, James Franco. Which is, I can't believe how well the casting was for this movie. Not just as Tom McGuire and Kirsten Dunst, but I'm specifically in this moment talking about the relation of James Franco and Willem Dafoe. They actually look like father and son. It's yeah. remarkable. Yeah. Um. So that's the reason that. Harry Osborn ha- ha- hates Spider-Man because... And eventually goes on to hate Peter. Right. So he lays him down onto the couch and, you know... He, like, he brings the... Is he dead? He's not dead at that point, right? He's not dead because he talks to Harry. Right? So, I mean, let, let's stop for a minute and say... Yeah, shouldn't he have taken him to a hospital? <laughs> Why did he take him home? He knew he suffered this terrible injury. So maybe this answers the who's responsible part because Spider-Man should have taken that guy to a hospital. Well, when you think about it, the moment he laid his head down um, and the blood started dripping out of his mouth, which sounds gross to describe it, but he he knew whenever he laid his head down, you could see that lifeless expression in his eyes and he uh-huh. knew. And even the audience could tell he was dead at that point. I'm just saying, I've never thought about it until just now that he brought... He brought Norman Osborn home instead of taking him to a hospital where he could have got medical care. <laughs> he was already dead at that. But besides, think about it. <laughs> he if wasn't he, dead, right? Because he didn't. He talk to Harry in that moment. Uh, to what? Norman talking to Harry? Right. Does he talk to Harry at that at that moment? No. No. So he just takes him home. Like, what was Spider Man thinking then? Well, one. He had already died, and even if he hadn't, he would have probably died by the time he got to the hospital. <laughs> what do you What are you thinking? Saying that he's talking to Harry. What 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 moment are you thinking of? Talking to from the mirror? No, no, no. I'm just wrong. But 
<laughs> the fact that he took the dead body home is... I just don't know what Spider-Man would have been thinking about in this time, right? Well... Because he's taking the dead body home. He could have just left him, right? And then all of this stuff comes out, hey, yeah, it stinks. It stinks that your dad got killed, but it's his own glider in him, you know? But why take him home? Well, the thing is, I don't think he was thinking straight. I don't think he was even supposed to be thinking straight. I don't think a human being could think straight after (laughs) feeling responsible for his best friend's father's death. I don't think anyone could think straight at that point. Okay, so he did it out of compassion that, you know, hey, I want to take this guy home. He he did care about him. Yeah, because, I mean, he had a deeper attachment to Harry, but he did respect... Uh, I was about to say Willem Dafoe, Norman Osborn. Yeah, so, I think of the more of actors than characters at this yeah. point. So I was wrong about him talking to Harry. You're right. He doesn't have an interaction at that moment. But uh, really, his ghost does in multiple movies. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. Later in the movie, that's right. That's right. Where he does interact with him after he's after this fight. That's why I thought they had a conversation, but it wasn't there on the couch. You're right. So Spider-Man, Pizza Delivery Boy, <laughs> and Corpse Delivery Boy. <laughs> right he, he he delivers Harry Osborne's dad's dead body to him so he can just deal with it unless they self-deliver We're talking about Doc Ock here <laughs> so okay um I'm gonna ask you you know I love the rankings I guess uh car saving scene versus the train scene so the car scene in this one where Goblin gives him the sick sadistic choice right of Mary Jane or the or the the bus full of kids. The is it a trolley car? Yeah, trolley, let's just call it that. The trolley car full of kids. That scene versus the train scene in number two, where he stops the train. Oh, what's, you're, what's you're, a what's a better scene? What's a, what's a more miraculous? Uh, what's a more miraculous moment for Spider Man to pull off? Oh, you're evil. I mean. No, Green Goblin's evil for making Peter Parker make his choice. <laughs> I'm just posing the question. So, he's got Mary Jane and the car full of kids. And the whole reason he set that up was, you've got to make a choice. Right? You've got to choose which one are you going to save. And, and Spider-Man manages to save both. Now, in number two, Doc Ock causes that train to, to be out of control. Right? Um, so... Spider-Man stops the train before it runs to the end of the track. Well, technically, the front car does run off the end of the track, but not enough for it to collapse. Right, right, right. So he saves all, he saves the train. So yeah, let's say that. What, what's a what's a more miraculous uh, feat? What's a, what's a more impressive feat by Spider-Man? Um, off top of my head, I would probably say the train scene mm-hmm. because we're talking about a New York. I want to call it a subway train, but most subways are underground. Yeah, I think it's a subway train that, you know, because some of them, they'll run above ground. They have tracks that Kay. go. So, this subway train at max speed, and because he tries to do it like one web and it tears it apart, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that he was able to not only uh, be able to withstand that, I mean, even a superhero, I've, I've felt... Looking at it today, I'm still, I still marvel at the fact that marvel. Was, I get it. Yeah, that he was able to hold himself together and didn't get his limbs ripped off, ripped off. And the thing is, 
if he had let go after he had, uh, like, right after he had hit the the train stopper, mm-hmm. then the train would have probably fallen off. But the thing is, he didn't. And we have Aunt May to thank for that, because earlier in Spider-Man 2, she says, hold on a little longer, mm-hmm. which is exactly what he does. Okay. So, I feel like the train was more amazing and spectacular and fantastic. Get it? I do. Okay, so there, there's several things we didn't really touch on about this movie yet. Um, you know, the Ben, uh, the Uncle Ben scene is in this this movie, and again, tying to number three, why I have a problem with number three. They establish the story here as to what happens to Ben, and then later they revise the story. Um, and your your comment about him stopping the train and you know the tears. And you're amazed that he doesn't rip off his limbs. Like, how strong is Spider-Man? You know, because he beats up Randy Savage in the in the ring. He, you know, when he's before he Bone Saw is oh, ready. Bone Saw is ready. Which I love that scene. I think I think Randy Savage, Macho Man Randy Savage, was <laughs> fantastic as the Bone Saw. But I don't know. I just how strong is he really? It's superhuman strength, yes, but, like, what's the limit of, you know, I don't know who you could compare Spider-Man with as, okay, Spider-Man is strong as or stronger than this character, you know? I mean, I want to make a rough estimation to other characters. Okay. But then, again, there are so many characters that they don't have a definite strength either. Mm Mm-hmm. But, based off of no information... No limit of strength given. I want to say about the quarter strength of the Hulk. Maybe, possibly, America. Quarter strength of the Hulk. Okay. Um, the establishing scene, you know, the thing that makes Spider-Man Spider-Man is not the spider bite. It's really, with great power comes great responsibility. Yeah. Don't throw me that line. I'm sick of hearing it. Yes. I'll never get over that, you know. But, you know, that that that's such a... Great comic book moment, you know. Uncle Ben's death is is a key thing, right? There's always there's always these really dark origin stories, or mostly, right? Superman, your whole planet blows up. Batman watches his parents get killed in front of him. Spider Man, his uncle dies in his arms, which is indirectly Peter's fault. Um, I think it's one of the best origins, like the spider bite, Uncle Ben, you know him rejecting kind of the hero's refusal of the call to to be a hero and then the consequence of the refusal mm-hmm. and i feel like the um okay i'm going to put this as simply as i can okay i think um there is a good explanation for why peter loses his powers in number 2 and it's direct om- almost directly linked to the events of this movie because um as you know, well, you might not know this, but whatever. Um, emotional trauma can sometimes cause cause physical changes, right? Yes. Um, actually, there are two possible reasonings for this. And here's the first, a little bit more complicated one. Uh, the complicated one being that um, he had this emotional trauma of watching these two father figures, especially Uncle Ben. I'm, I'm going to count... Norman as a father figure because he's mm-hmm. talking about how he wanted to be a father to him. And he watched both of these people die 
in front of the, him, and he all felt he was responsible for both. Okay. Which is absolutely, probably horrible for a person to go through. So, um, so the physic, so the emotional trauma fought probably of watching that happen two times probably caused the physical changes of losing his powers. Okay, so that's the more complicated reason. Did you have a simpler one? Did you yes, want to throw in there? there right. is a simpler one. Okay. Uh, which is probably a little bit more scoped out into specifically number two. Uh, because whenever he said, whenever Doc Ock says, um, if you bottle up love inside you, it can make you sick. Mm-hmm. And it's only after watching um, MJ get with another person and mm-hmm. MJ expressing her dislike for the kind of things that Peter and her are going through that he starts to lose his powers. Yeah. So, speaking of his powers, do you prefer the Raimi version of the webs where it's like organic? It's just in him? There's no, you know, there's no generation. There's no, it's almost unlimited. Or the more comic book canon version where the web shooters are developed as a mechanical device by Peter, a scientific kind of invention that he has that is finite and can run out. Which one do you prefer? Do you have a problem with either one of those? I don't have a problem with either because I feel like either, because this, we're talking about a comic book universe where we have people slinging around on ropes from their hands mm-hmm. or machines. Mm-hmm. So I feel like both in this comic book logic world could be completely plausible. But in terms of what one I like more is probably the mechanical web shooters because the thing about Peter is that he's a genius. He's smart. He has so much potential. Mm-hmm. And he uses that. Yeah, I like that too. But I also like the mechanical because he can take them off. Because if he has to go to the doctor for like a, like an annual checkup, like your doctor's going to notice if you have these two uh, spots on your wrist that shoot web out. Hmm. Why do you have a bunch of <clears throat> fluid in here that's, with two tiny holes? That's gonna give him. That's gonna give him away. So yeah, I, I, I like the I like the organic, um, but it's it's an interesting choice I think that they made that it was an organic web versus the mechanical. I like the mechanical better for those reasons that it's it's not unlimited. It was a development by the character, but the uh, I also like the fact that the organic is like it's infinite. He can't run out. He won't run out. Um, and the only time that we see him actually kind of kind of run out, and I guess they, they use that really well in the second movie where his emotional state causes him to be unable to shoot his webs. So um, there's pluses and minuses on each side. I prefer the mechanical. Well, that was an interesting Q&A. And now a quick word from our sponsor. All right, we are back. So... Now we're just going to talk freestyle about um, Sam Raimi's first movie. So, last time I kind of started out, I think you can go this time. Okay. So, Sam Raimi has his pedigree in horror movies, right? Like, he was known for his horror movies before Spider-Man. Like, you know him from Spider-Man. Like, he's a legend for Spider-Man, directing Spider-Man. But he's he's got a history of the horror genre. So... I don't know. Do you think that that background helped him in any way with this movie in particular? I completely agree. And 
Um, no, for the record, I don't just know him for Spider-Man. I did look a little bit into his past. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was introduced to him from Spider-Man, but right. I did look a little bit into That's his That's what I meant. I didn't say work. you were a total noob who knew nothing about Raimi. Oh, how dare you? <laughs> I didn't say that. True. Okay. Um, but the thing is, um, he kind of let his jump horror roots show uh-huh. with a, a good jump scare from the Green Goblin whenever it's like, this old woman trapped in. Yeah. That's a pretty good way of letting his jump scare roots show. Yeah. Okay, so how about you? What what other topics did, did you want to, that we didn't cover in the Q&A that you want to hit on now? Uh, well... How do you feel about some of the casting? Because we talked about um, William Defoe and Tobey Maguire, but let's um, expand that a little bit. What? Let's talk about the casting call. Who do you think was your favorite casted member apart from the hero and villain? Uh, J. Jonah Jameson. Yes! <laughs> I mean, in my opinion... Uh, to this day, that is the most comic book accurate depiction of a comic book character we have seen. J.K. Simmons as Jameson. Yes, J.K. That- Simmons, and he's fantastic. He's he's very funny in that role, right? The hatred of Spider Man is comes across, but the psychosis, like he's 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 crazy. He's yeah. a little bit crazy. I mean, in Spider Man Two, one of my favorite moments is when he's looking at these pictures. I'm not gonna say the actual word. I'm gonna say a um, substitute word, but he's like crud, crud. Mega crud, triple crud. I'll give you a hundred bucks. Yeah. <laughs> and they're all amazing photos, by the way. They're yes. all they're all amazing photos. No other being on the planet could get as fantastic photos as Peter Parker. Yeah. So he he undervalues Peter's work, and which is really, you know, Peter could have gone other places and sold his work for better. So this is a lesson to all you young <laughs> creatives that. Don't just take the first offer that comes along. Don't let anybody undervalue your work because that's Peter Parker absolutely lets Jonah Jameson undervalue his work. I mean, <laughs> you find someone better than Jonah. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't know what I don't know what the options are in uh, in in the Spider Man universe for papers, but oh uh, well, it only really talks about the Daily Bugle. <laughs> yeah, but it's New York, so there's a few more, right? There should be Definitely. a few more. They're not dominating. If if Jonah's trying to sell papers in in their market, then he's definitely has some competition. So uh, <laughs> that always kills me that just how much he undervalues. Him. What about you? So okay, J.K. Simmons, we got right. I'm gonna I'm gonna count that one as mine. I'm gonna say that I know that you love J.K. Simmons in that role. Who else? Who else is up there that you really appreciate in this movie, the first Raimi one? Well, to avoid repeating our, to avoid repeating, sorry, not avoid, avoid repeating our earlier conversation, I'm going to not count the hero and villain. Yep. And now not J.K. Simmons, mm-hmm. which is absolutely evil of you. Sorry. Not sorry. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to have to say James Franco. Okay. Because... One, he actually looks like someone who could play a rich kid role. Mm-hmm. He, um, plus he's really good at being his character. Like at the beginning of the movie, before Peter gets his powers, and they're at this field trip. He's, um, Peter's talking about all this s- cool science stuff. Like, uh, ooh, the- these spiders can change their skin, and ooh, this is the largest mic microscopic 
um, telescope, not microscopic telescope, what am I saying? Biggest electron microscope on the eastern seaboard. And Harry doesn't exactly copy it. The funny thing to me about that, I didn't notice this the first few times I watched it, but now I'm, I'm a little older. I realized that he's saying, like, knockoff things from what Peter said. Peter said this is the most advanced electron mic- microscope, um, and Harry said this is the biggest electron microscope. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of made these little, like, a little bit more false copies of what Peter said. Right, to try what? to sound like he knew, right, he was trying to impress people. Uh James Franco's character, Harry Osborne, has one of my least favorite attributes of any person. Because I'm not saying that the character's bad, but I'm saying this one attribute, which is feeling sorry for yourself. He feels sorry for himself a lot, right? I mean, that's part of the character. I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying that that is an attribute that a hero almost never has. Or if they do have it, they move on from it. Can right? you give some examples? Well, like, Harry is kind of like poor little rich kid. You know? Like, he's got the world handed to him on a platter. And he's he's kind of flaky. He doesn't want to do... Um, I don't know. He just... I just feel like he feels sorry for himself. Uh, and he, he, he feels sorry for himself when his dad dies, right? His dad is responsible for his own death. And he takes that and turns that into rage against, against, uh, Peter and, and Spider-Man. So I'm just, I'm just pointing out that I have a problem with that attribute in anybody. I don't like people who feel sorry for themselves. It's, it's useless. It's a useless emotion to feel sorry for yourself. Um, that's just a personal, a personal belief that I hold, but... I guess I can understand that. Yeah, I mean, not to say that bad things don't happen, bad things do happen, um, but they happen all the time, and, um, we move on, and we, we, we take our, our pain and we turn it into strength, and, and I think that's what... When did this turn ethical? (laughs) Peter Peter does, but that's what Peter does, right? He takes his pain of losing Uncle Ben and turns it into a strength, his motivating factor, um, Harry takes the death of his father and makes him into a villain, right? That's the thing that makes him a villain. It's it's almost a, a mirror image, you know? It's like a reverse image of what happens. That Peter lost his, his father figure and became a hero. Harry lost his father figure and became a villain. Huh. And I think it's rooted in what drives them and their personality and their, their, their character. That Peter is a good person who wants to make the best of the situations and Harry is this entitled rich kid who feels sorry for himself. I mean, I, f- I feel like I kind of disagree and agree with you simultaneously. <laughs> okay, about what? Break it down. Split it up. Well, I do agree that he probably feels somewhat emotions of feeling sorry about himself and for what happened. I mean, and he's kind of in Peter's position a little bit. But I feel like the same thing is happening to him in terms of it could be emotional trauma after um, watching Spider-Man, this beat-up Spider-Man, take his father's dead corpse to his house. Special delivery. (laughs) Hello, did you order your father's dead corpse? No. (laughs) And then... And then finding out that the Spider-Man that had killed his father was his childhood and best friend. And then, after that, he ha- he was talking to this, like, 
mirror spirit of William Defoe mm-hmm. being like, you will become the next Gollum. Not specifically, I was trying to make a joke. It was a bad joke. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, um, it was after that conversation and he had like broke the mirror that he had discovered, oh my God, my father was the Goblin. What do I do? Mm-hmm. And the that emotional trauma, um, it took it, I feel like that could have took taken it Bleh, can't speak. I feel like that could have happened more in a mental level than on a physical level, because that is very much possible. In which he lost part of his sanity because he has gone through all these things and these horrible memories, which is why he's more sane whenever he gets amnesia in the third movie, because he doesn't even know those happened anymore. So he's gone from this goblin insane, I'm going to get revenge, to this cool, like, hey, man... Glad to see you again. Yeah. Okay. So, what is one classic, iconic moment from that movie that you believe is absolutely wonderful and iconic and classic and amazing and spectacular? I mean, when you said iconic, the first thing that came to my mind is the the kiss where they drop down and she reveals the mouth and kisses him but that's not for me like I think that that's something that has penetrated the pop culture you know since then that was like copied all over the place um, around that time because it was you know a big part of the movie but for me that's not that's not something that I count as iconic and huge in that movie um, <clears throat> I don't know I give me a second to to, to really, um, I don't know. I, I've got no good answer for that. Well, I feel like you gave a good answer about yeah, but, the upside down kiss. Yeah. I, I feel like that could have been an answer, but you kind of. It's just not my answer. Like I don't feel like, to me, that's not the moment that I was like, wow. But people, people jumped on that moment, and it's a, it's a big moment, but. Um, I guess whenever, whenever uh, the slow mo in the in the fire, when Goblin throws the bomb at him and like it blows up <clears throat> right there by his face and tears his mask up and reveals his face as he turns, like I think that's like an iconic moment and one that sticks with me that that I think of like it was a really cool moment and I executed really well so. Uh, that would be my personal answer. How about right. you? Iconic moment. Go. I, hurry. Go. Iconic moment. The upside down kiss. I, that has to be mine. I feel like that kind of sparked this insane, amazing thing. Amazing. Uh, for, for Spider-Man because um, this incredible moment that was supposed to be so emotional is now a permanent asset to Spider-Man and his characters and what people look at it as today. Yeah, but like he wrecks it. I mean, yeah, you're right. But he What do you wrecks, mean he wrecks it? He wrecks it in uh, the second movie, right? Because he recreates it whenever they do the... Uh, they're doing like that publicity event and he drops down and like kisses that lady. That's the third movie. Oh, the third movie. Sorry. So he cheapens it. He cheapens it in that one. But um, you're right. It is, it is this big moment for the character too right I don't think they did that on purpose I don't think they were trying to replicate it I think it was just coincidence because he was upside down no before. I think that he that he he did like 
I'm a, I got this move, man. This move works in the first movie, and I'm going to use it here. And that's why she got so mad. But that's for the third movie discussion. We'll we'll keep it. We'll keep it for the third movie. Okay, so the kiss for you, for me, it's the slow-mo uh, bomb in the face. Uh, any problems with the movie? Anything that you would say that you would change, that you would like to, that if you could edit it or just make any kind of change to the movie, what would, is there anything there? Or is, do you think it's like, this is a perfect Spider-Man movie or untouchable? Well, it's super, super dark. It's super hard to if to pit, to decide if there is anything to change, and then if so, what to change. I think I'm gonna go with no, because it's kind of. I think you're right. It's kind of untouchable as a Spider-Man. Yeah, so I say so. I say I wouldn't. I wouldn't edit anything out. I wouldn't change. Make a change unlike Spider-Man Three, which I would change dramatically. Y- yeah, you've expressed that very much <laughs> many times. <laughs> I can't wait for that episode. I'm so excited for that episode. You're two episodes... You're getting us two episodes ahead already. <laughs> All right. You got anything else? Uh, turtles. Turtles. Yep. Spider turtles. Spider turtles. <laughs> All right. All right. That's words of wisdom with Nate. <laughs> but yeah, so I feel like this went really, really well. How about you? Yep. Absolutely. So say goodbye. Say goodbye. See you next time. See you next time. Bye.